The theme of this month and this service is hospitality. Hospitality, for those of you who are not part of MOOD, is, the mood is part of the MOOD community's rhythm of life, which we as a community have committed to live up, in, to, live up to in our daily lives and as a community. I personally really, really like hospitality. And I consider myself quite a hospitable person. I like having lots of people around in my house, letting them stay overnight, and cooking dinner for them. For me, hospitality is very important, as it is something that was not really practiced in my family. My parents, particularly my mother, have a kind of my home is my castle mentality, which implies that they are very, very reluctant to have strangers in the house, meaning basically everybody who is not part of the family. Whenever my parents invite somebody around for dinner or coffee and cake in the afternoon, which is very typical in Germany, where I come from, it is a really big thing, meaning a lot of hassle. The house needs to be cleaned, the shopping needs to be done, the table needs to be set nicely, the cooking needs to be done, three courses, menu, etc. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that at all. To the contrary, doing all these things shows, I think, that you really care about a guest, that you want to make him or her feeling as welcomed as possible by making an effort. I also do most of these things when I invite people to a house, and I really do enjoy doing it. But for my mother, another reason for doing all these things was that she does not want the guest to get a bad impression of the way she runs the household. He or she could, for example, think that my mother was an untidy person if the house was not tidy, that she did not know how to cook if the food was not that good or too simple, and so forth. With her, hospitality is very much about the outside of it. She's afraid of people getting a too close and true idea of what she and her family are about, because she's afraid that he or she might, in a way, abuse the recognition of what she considers a weakness. I think this is a shame, because it means you actually never let people really close to you. In my home here in London, which I share with my husband and another couple, also part of the Mood community, it, hospitality is a very important part of we as little community are about. In contrast to my parents, we have an open-door policy. Whoever is in need of a place to stay for a couple of days is more than welcome, and if the house is untidy, nobody gives a shit. Not a week passes without actually having that we have somebody around for dinner or a cup of tea, and not a month, I would say, without somebody staying overnight. Recently, my flatmates, Andy and Thomason, gave a key to our, from, to our flat to a good friend who had a very hard time last year, feeling actually quite homeless and unstable. Through this gesture, they wanted to show him that he can come whenever he wants and that he will always be welcomed. I think this is a wonderful symbol of hospitality. And this kind of hospitality, even though it's really nice, also costs us something, because it goes counter to the this is my own space and I want it only for myself idea. Because sometimes it's also really exhausting having people around, especially if you're maybe not that well. But nevertheless, I think this way of practicing hospitality is still quite comfortable. Because who actually is it that I invite around? Who are the people who come and stay at our place? They're mostly my or my flatmates' friends, people we like having around, 
people who make us happy and with whom we can have a really good time. And even if I invite people I don't know that well yet, because they're new in my college, um, a new colleague at work, or somebody new at Mood, mostly they're people I feel comfortable with, people I think I might actually like. People who are not that difficult, or if they are, it is a kind of interesting difficulty which makes them interesting fellows. The least the people I want to be hospitable towards are supposed to have are basic social skills or some degree of what might also be called emotional intelligence. These are knowledge of how to have a nice and interesting conversation, how to talk not too much about oneself but also ask the other one questions, how to keep the balance between talking about serious stuff and having a nice, humorous, small talk-like chat, and a sense of how not to overload the other one with personal, emotionally difficult stuff. If I'm honest to myself, these skills I require from people I want to have around. And I'm sure I'm not the only person here tonight who thinks like that. But is there any problem with that? Well, one consequence of this kind of thinking is that it limits the circle of people we engage with to people who share a similar background, where they've learned how to behave that way. In my case, in my case and I guess I don't know quite because I don't know many of you, but in the, in the case of most of us, I guess, who are here tonight, this is to say, in a slightly provocative way, a Western white middle class background. In Mood, many of us share the vision that we do not want to stay a white, primarily British middle class, plus an exotic icing of white middle class Danish and German people, community. Many of us have the desire to move, to be more involved in poor communities, to engage with social outcasts, losers, the ones not accepted in mainstream society. We have the longing to really follow Jesus, who did exactly that, who included in his community people from very different backgrounds and locations, overcoming barriers of prejudice, like it is said in the story of the Gospel of John that we listened to before. But many of us, me included, might be quite uncomfortable with what that actually implies. It namely means engaging with people who might not adhere to the social codes of how to behave towards one another that I have described before, because these codes are not theirs, because they've been growing up in different communities, either culturally or with regard to class. Once somebody in Mood said, when we discussed engaging with the poor, to be honest, I don't really want to engage with the poor. I don't like them. Of course he wanted to provoke us with this. But there is a deep truth in what he was saying. I very much recognized my own thinking in the statement he made, and I felt ashamed. But to be honest, many of the poor people we'd like to engage with might be indeed quite despiteful. I know that personally, as I myself come from a, what is considered a working-class background, I actually hate being with my wider family. For example, when we are together, railing against politicians is very much part of our conversation. Once I tried to say something against my aunt, I disagreed with what she said about a politician and brought forward an argument against a statement she had made. She could not cope with it at all. Her first reaction was to imitate me, and those of you who know me know that I tend to speak quite fast if I'm engaged in discussion. So she imitated that. Um, when I was younger, that these things made me cry, and she knew that. But that time I was already older and I did not mind. I just brought another, this time quite polemical, argument against her. As a consequence, she ran out of the room, knocking over a chair in the attempt to get out as quickly as possible, and out of the room I heard her swearing furiously. Well, at least she did not say something racist, which also happens quite often. 
So does engaging with the poor and excluded and being hospitable towards them implies engaging with a person like my aunt? I don't think so. I think there are definitely limits to what is acceptable. I cannot stand racism or any other attempts to exclude people. Inclusion, in my opinion, does not mean being nice to all people we come across. But we also have to be careful not to stereotype certain classes or milieus based on single experience with difficult people or what we know from the media. This is very dangerous. So, being hospitable does not mean being nice to racists, religious fundamentalists, etc. And let's make it clear, people we come across who come to our services, for example, or engage with us, have normally some interest to be with us. Automatically, they already share at least some interests. But they might nevertheless be difficult when it comes to the social norms of conversation and being together that I have described above. They might talk a lot about themselves without asking a single question. They might fall silent when it comes to difficult discussions such as about politics, films, music and similar conversations I enjoy a lot. They might seem boring on first glance, shy, not having anything in common with us. They might confront us with emotional burdens and experienced abuse we find difficult to cope with because we don't know how to behave or what to say. Please don't get me wrong, of course belonging to a different milieu does not mean that you are automatically difficult in this sense. To say that again means stereotyping. I also know enough people from our own background to behave like that. But it is an empirical fact that we feel more comfortable and understood by people who share our upbringing, our background, our cultural experiences. In mood, we have people who have had a difficult upbringing, suffer under depression and are definitely not easygoing, but most of them still know how to behave in a social situation. They know how to talk about their upbringing and depressions and difficult childhood in a really interesting way. They're very good at self-analysis, which means their problem is even more interesting. They know how to articulate themselves and their problems. So they're not difficult in the, in the sense I described before. The point I want to make tonight is that our attitude towards people is often very consumptive. I know that in mood we tend to overuse this term, especially when Ian is around. But in this context, I think it is really important. We want to engage with people who make us happy, who give us something back. In a very classical Marxist way, one could say that our relationship to people is very often one of exchange and of function. I give you something and you give me something back. I like you because you're like me, because we speak the same language, because we understand each other without many words. This is the opposite, I think, of what Jesus used to do. But it is so incredibly hard to change that in a society where most relationships function that way. What on earth can we do about it? I really want to end this homily on a positive note. I want to point out what we can do in a very practical way. I want to make two suggestions. First of all, there is nothing wrong with wanting people around us whom we like. But we should not judge that quickly who it is that we will like. What do we mostly base our judgment on? on the first contact, on the impression people make on us in the first instance of our encounter. There we judge whether people adhere to the social norms of communication. We judge whether we find them interesting and likable enough to invite them round for dinner. But I've already made the experience a couple of times that this first judgment can be wrong. In my life, I sometimes encountered people whom I invited round for a cup of tea out of a sense of Christian duty and pity. I did not really want to meet them because my judgment told me that they were socially difficult. But I did it nevertheless, for the reasons I mentioned. 
And then I sometimes, not always, but sometimes, experience this encounter as incredibly enriching. Suddenly, in the course of a conversation over dinner, I realized that actually I have something in common with this person, something I would not have thought before. Or after some initial barriers were overcome, after a long time of listening, the person started to trust me and we had a really interesting talk. Or sometimes worlds were opened up to me that I would never have encountered because they're not part of my world. So my first suggestion is, let our judgment be slower. Let's give people a better chance to show what they are about. In a way, this is what Jesus did himself. He went to the tax collector, Zacchaeus, don't know whether I pronounce it correctly, uh, to his house, and at the end of it, the tax collector did not say, thanks, Jesus, for being around. Now I need to go back to work. You know there are people I need to squeeze money out of. Have a good day. No, he left what he had and decided to follow Jesus. Maybe because the encounter with Jesus changed his life. But maybe there was already the sight in him, the sight that was simply good, and he, had already, he already had the desire to change his life, but there was nobody to share it with before. And the second suggestion is, we need strong bonds among ourselves with our friends whom we trust and whom we really like. We need a strong community to deal with difficult people. We cannot do it on our own. So, for example, inviting somebody around is a lot easier in my house because we would already be four people, me, my husband, my flatmates, um, around the dinner table plus this, this other person. We can share the kind of burden of engaging with somebody. I think an intentional community of people living together, which is also part of the vision of mood, is therefore incredibly important. Having a strong core in a community means that it is easier to include people. It also makes it so much easier for the person we engage with. Again, this is what Jesus did. He had a crowd of followers and 12 disciples being very close to him. He did not go to the tax collector's house on his own. And Zacchaeus joined his crowd of disciples. So in conclusion, hospitality, true hospitality, is a lot harder, but at the same time also a lot easier than we might think. Let us not back down when we are confronted with the challenge God poses us to us when it comes to his beloved children. But let us do it together and not on our own. Amen.